Welcome to The Rice Life, a podcast by Rice Extension. Hi, I'm Charlton. And I'm Harriet. And we're Extension Officers for the Australian rice industry. Each week, we'll bring you a new conversation connecting growers with research, technology and best practice. It's great to be back, Harriet, in front of the mics this week, following on from our chat from Malcolm. So today's focus is on weed management. And we catch up with Connie from... Corteva AgriScience to talk about Ajixa applications. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to this chat and it's a continuation of last week's episode, which was on weed management. Looking back at those key checks and specifically focusing on the importance of a foundation herbicide and where Ajixa fits into the mix, I guess, for different people and the crops that they're growing. So the key things that we've been seeing or hearing from some growers over the last week just around that chemical application post-rainfall is a lot of discussion about people who haven't been able to get their foundation chemicals on and where Ajixa fits. So we just wanted to catch up with Connie and go through the role that Ajixa plays and really emphasise that it's not the be-all, end-all and it's not kind of that golden one spray that a rice crop will need for that weed management. Hi, Connie. Thanks so much for joining us today. So, Connie, where do you see the fit for Ajixa in the RAS chemical program? Thanks, Harriet. That's really nice to be on your podcast. I think you girls do a great job. Thanks for having me on. So, uh, we've got a new product called Ajixa Rinsecore Active Herbicide, and really excited about this one. Ready for this rice season um, for, for southern New South Wales growers, Victorian growers, as, as well as growers across the parts of Australia as well. So, Ajixa has a fit in nearly all rice systems so both aerial broadcast rice as well as in drill or delayed permanent water rice system and when do you sort of when when's that ideal time to apply a jigsaw where do you sort of see it being used over the rice crop growth stage with uh, with the jigsaw and, and the trial work that we've done over um, several years in australia before we had it ready to go this year showed that we really need to wait until the three leaf rice growth stage before applying a jigsaw. Um, this differs to barnstorm. You could come in with barnstorm um, from the two-leaf rice stage, but the new active ingredient in a jigsaw, Rinsecore Active, um, is just not safe enough to the rice at that two-leaf stage. There's just too much risk for some damage to the rice, and especially if it's recovering from um, any other stresses with, um, with emergence or a foundation herbicide application uh, then once it's at that three leaf stage it's it's ready to handle um, a further herbicide application and we know from there on it's a very safe product um, moving on from that three leaf rice stage. Um, in terms of weed growth stage so a jigsaw will uh, control barnyard grass, um, silvertop grass, uh, cooler grass amongst others um, as well as uh, broadleaf weeds, some broadleaf weeds as well uh, that occur in in drill stone rice systems and in sort of the aerial soil rice systems too. So things like arrowhead, starfruit and um, and water plantain. So for the the grass weeds, uh, the key timing is to target those weeds as as small as possible. So once the weeds start tiller and get too tall, um, not the best job from the ejixa. Target small weeds, that's when you're going to get the most consistent and the best job. Is there any stage that you would yeah, call it too late to apply a jigsaw. This is for, for grass weed. Yeah, so for particularly, yeah, barnyard grass amongst others, um, once the plant is starting to tiller, 
and get more than say sort of seven centimeters tall the job that you're going to get from a jigsaw is going to reduce as the as the weeds get bigger um, another factor on that is that as the weeds get bigger they're providing more competition to the rice crop itself and so impacting on that rice crop it, again if you can target the weed and get them out of out of the crop as soon as possible that's going to be your ideal option there and then that rice as it grows and becomes more competitive will um, hopefully suppress further weed germination as well. I was just sort of thinking back on when you mentioned that barnstorm used to be applied at the two-leaf rice stage. We know that many growers have been sort of caught out over the weekend with some rain and most likely would have to drop out, say, Gramoxone or, or Magister if, if they're going to fly it on in a plane. Do you think that, you know, there's going to be an issue having to wait till that three-leaf rust stage like what do you think what do you suggest to rice growers that might have messed up that sort of foundation first application yeah no it does sound like it can be um get very tricky with timings of of sowing and then rainfall events that, that bring the rice on and up before um some sort of the foundation herbicides can be applied that can be tricky we just really can't advocate that you use any prior to that to that three leaf stage. Um, but we also feel that even if the rice is at that three leaf stage, the weeds shouldn't be too big to be outside that label spectrum, as I mentioned before. Um, so as soon as, as that rice is up and at that three leaf stage and depending on irrigation um, sort of scheduling or if there's another rainfall event, as soon as you can get either you know, a ground rig on to, to spray weeds or um, timing with the plane to get them on. Um, that's going to be ideal to, again, yeah, control them when they're at a small stage to get the best job and then also to, to reduce that competition, get that competition from the weeds out of the way. Connie, a jigsaw is able to be used in drill, aerial and dry broadcast, but how important is it to get your foundation herbicide on first? Because obviously a jigsaw isn't a foundation herbicide, it's the follow-up, isn't it? Yeah, that's correct, Charlie. So we always advocate that a jigsaw is to be used following a foundation treatment. So whether that be in your standard three-way mix in a drill sown rice um, setup or following um, in aerial systems following a foundation herbicide as well. You don't want to be relying on um, just a jigsaw as the standalone weed control option. So again, like um, Harriet mentioned before, with some of the, the rain and, and timing issues that happening now or could potentially happen in the coming weeks um, and for example you need to drop drop out the gramoxone component from um, from that upfront treatment we still have you know trials from the several years of work that show that even just the two out of the three up front followed by um, a cleanup spray of a jigsaw still sets you up for a very good um, you know success for the for the rice crop and um, and good yields to follow hopefully our trials also have seen that if you're using just a jigsaw as a post-emergence application, um, your, your crop is sort of held back from the, from the beginning. So um, the, the key thing is trying to achieve some sort of foundation treatment. So you're getting more modes of action um, acting on that population of weeds. Um, and then timing the ajixa application if you need it. You know, sometimes foundation treatments work perfectly and, and no follow-up herbicide is needed um, once the crop is up and away. But just the timing that timing that a jigsaw application to um, firstly, you know, the rice is, is past that three leaf stage and, and before panicle initiation and also targeting weeds um, that are small um, and populations aren't too dense to, to get the best job from it. 
Also, just quickly, are there any do's and don'ts when applying a JIXA? We saw last season, and we've had a few agronomists this season question whether or not there's any issues of using a group I near sensitive crops or is there any drift management things that growers need to be aware of? Yeah, good, good question there. So I'll just cover up a few of the really important um, factors that are, you know, are do's for using a jigsaw. So it all, always needs to be used with an oil, um, so a crop oil, so whether it be uptake or other, um, other oil adjuvants. Um, we've seen that that just really helps um, the herbicide work best is always using oil. Another factor is always ensuring that you can get really good coverage of the crop, um, especially if the crop is quite developed and quite dense, um, you need to get good coverage to get that contact of the herbicide um, to the weeds and, and acting on the weeds. So whether that be through um, through water rates, so we have an aerial registration for a jigsaw, so as well as a ground boom application registration. So for air that's using a minimum of 40 litres of water the coverage and for ground that's a minimum of 80 litres um, and again you know good coverage many factors affect that but you know speed of application if applied by a ground rig is, is also important. Another uh, factor to consider of uh, to be aware of is, is managing water around uh, before and after uh, applying a jigsaw. So in any of your aerial zone or dry broadcast systems where there's there's already water on the paddock you need to either drop that or time the irrigation so that the weeds are exposed when you're applying it. Um, it's a contact herbicide, so it needs to actually, you know, be sprayed onto the weeds to, to work. So they need to be exposed above the water surface to, to get that. Um, and for ground applications, um, you need to either time irrigations or, or around your rainfall events so that as soon as you can get your, um, get the ground boom onto onto your paddocks to spray um, that you do that so that the barnyard grass is, is not stressed in any way because we know that once yeah once barnyard grass becomes stressed it really does not like to take up any any herbicides your control is going to be reduced in those situations um, and then after applications though as soon as again either as soon as the ground boom is off um, or the plane has finished spraying either refill uh, the, the bays or or restart a, an irrigation or reflood. In terms of some do nots or things to avoid um, with the jigsaw is, we've said it before, but don't rely on it as your only form of weed control. Um, bring some other factors in there, including a foundation herbicide treatment or other sort of yeah, non-chemical tactics. Another key factor is that a jigsaw is registered for only one application in crops. So um, if you do know that you're gonna need a, a post-emergence spray for weeds, um, make sure you time that well, but please don't be spraying this on on weeds that are have pushing out a lot of tillers or even pushing out ahead in the barnyard grass. It's just too late um, and you're not going to get a very good job from it and be disappointed. And also you're going to have to come back with another option as, as control might be good enough. So um, do not target large weeds with this herbicide. I think they're all really good points that growers need to be aware of just because there's quite a number of growers who haven't grown for a few years and they're all learning what a jigsaw is and how to use it. I just wanted to go back, um, sorry, Connie, and touch again on um, just have a little bit more around what growers should do around minimising spray drift if they're concerned about a, a group I as part of the, a jigsaw. Yeah, but, no, thanks. Thanks, Harriet. Thanks for raising that. Um, look, it is, you know, it can be a concern and, and people will see the group I on the label and, um, and the concern is raised yet again. 
they shouldn't be doing anything different than what they do with all their standard herbicide applications. So everything they do to, to minimize drift, continue to do that um, when considering to use a jigsaw. I will direct them back to label. It's quite an extensive document. There's a lot in there, but there's also some really good information, some really clear guidelines on that label in what we call um, downwind buffer zones. So this has bu those buffer zones for both aerial and ground applications. And it just shows what sort of distances um, they can work around if they have sensitive crops nearby, sensitive crops or other vegetation areas or aquatic areas. So look at the label, have a look at that. Every farmer knows his block the best um, and how it operates and, and their neighbors and what's around there. And work with, you know, if you're applying with yourself, work with your agronomist to ensure that, um, you know, you understand those buffer zones and, and when you shouldn't or shouldn't be spraying or, or how close you should be spraying. Or if you've got contractors in or aerial applicators, you know, make sure that it's well understood between all of you, um, you know, when a, when a jigsaw should be used and if it should be used in the first place and that they, yeah, observe those downwind buffer zones um, and, you know, ensure that, you know, basically that if the wind is, is blowing away from sensitive crops, so there is the reduced risk of, of any off-target damage. Yeah, no, it's good. And I liked how you said it's it's exactly the same as spraying any other chemical. You shouldn't be spraying it if it's in the wrong conditions anyway. And then also, yeah, it's really good to have those buffer zones on label because, yeah, when I saw the label, I was pretty surprised at how small they were, I guess, <laughs> in another way to say it, yeah. Yeah, definitely. We think they're really workable for, for both ground and air applications. And, and we know we've had feedback from um, aerial applicator groups that, you know, they have a default of five kilometres if there's no established buffer zones on there. So, you know, if you, if you look at that and compare that to a jigsaw, it can be, you know, the maximum on there is, is 600 metres. So there's a big difference there between 600 metres and, and, you know, some of the defaults that there's five kilometres. So, Look, this is just one source of information, the label, but it has some really good um, information on there and it's really clear. And of course, you know, if there's anything that needs clarification, they can follow up with APV May who have released, um, you know, some really specific um, uh, restrictions and restraints that need to be on labels now, especially compared to some of the older chemistry. Um, and of course, they can follow up with Corteva AgriScience as well, um, just to get a bit more clarity if, if things need uh, a bit more explanation on that. Yeah. So if growers are following the label, they're not going to have an issue in terms of group I sort of damaging sensitive crops. Yeah. No application of, of herbicide is, is completely risk-free, but if they, you know, follow through these steps that are on the label regarding downwind buffer zones, they also put into practice those industry standard uh, directions around, you know, ensuring no off-target damage, then they put themselves in the best position to ensure that, yeah, there is none of that Drift on sensitive crops legally is an application. That's what they need to do. Um, and we feel that the information on the Ajixa label will help them make the best decision. And look, that decision may be that Ajixa isn't an appropriate product to use, you know, on particular areas um, if they're surrounded by crops on all sides. Or it may mean that, okay, we won't apply by air, but we'll apply by ground. No, it's good. And we'll, uh, I guess we'll put a, a link to the label on our show notes as well, because yeah, everything that a grower should need to know will be in the label. But I think that sort of answers all of our questions for now. Do you have anything else, Charlie? Just before we finish up, Connie, what's the best way for people to contact yourself or someone from 
Corteva if they have any questions and where can they download the label? Yeah, so our website has a heap of information on there. Um, when we launched Ajixa, um, we did an extensive webinar on that one. So they can find that webinar on our website. If they just Google or search engine Corteva AgriScience Australia, they'll be able to find that information, which has the label, the SDS, um, which is also a critical document um, for herbicide users and applicators. Um, and there's also a lot more information about Ajixa and our other rice herbicide, Ubenic Rinsco Active, which is our straight Rinsco product. And that's the one that's specifically for application into aerial so on rice systems as it needs to be applied by squirt, you know, directly into flood water. Um, so all that information's on there. And there's also the option to, um, to yeah, co there's contact us page on the website so they can, they can follow up directly there and either get onto myself or get onto one of my colleagues um, who works in the rice industry areas. Yep, that's great, thank you. Just quickly, you just touched on Ubenic. Um, we do have some people down, especially in the South Hill area sowing crops. Do you just wanna quickly tell us where you see the fit for it? anyone who's thinking of using it rather than a jigsaw? Yeah, no, definitely. So Ubenic um, is our yeah, straight rinse core product. So it, it controls broadleaf weeds and has a suppression claim for Dirty Dora. Um, and this is, yeah, group, group I, brand new, new um, mode of action into rice. Um, and where we see this fitting is, is, is a couple of places. So again, always following some sort of foundation, um, herbicide program or treatment. Um, is needed um, and maybe seeing it, it replace um, or be in addition to um, um, some of the Ordram Taipan or, or Ordram based um, programs as again a follow-up broadleaf spray um, once the weeds are once the weeds are up so whether that replaces uh, herbicides that aren't working as well as they should anymore um, or in conjunction with a product like satin um, to just to, to be bring a bit more activity on on some broadleaf weeds. Yeah, and no, I think that's a really good option that growers should also think of. So thank you very much for explaining, you know, where that fits in the area or so in crop. And thank you for joining Harriet and I today. You have definitely answered a lot of questions that I had about Ajixa and the role that it plays. So we look forward to seeing you throughout the season once we can, you know, have face-to-face -face field days and things again. So thank you for joining us, Connie. No, thanks so much, guys. Um, it's been really great to chat with you and I'd certainly say if anyone's got more questions that, you know, first point of call is, um, is there a agronomist or a consultant? Cause they're going to know um, their particular situation um, best for, for the growers um, and the agros can yeah, come directly to me or pass on uh, the growers details and I can follow up directly as well. Um, but yeah, looking really excited to get out there and keen to have a really good rice season the way it's shaping up. Just following on from our chat with Connie today, Harriet, she gave us a really good overview of how to use a gypsum and where it fits in crop. But what were the key take-home messages that, you know, you think growers should take away from our chat with her? Yeah, I think there was a few really good points that Connie touched on, uh, especially listening to where she went through the, the do's and don'ts. So, you know, always making sure that you're using it with an oil, really making sure that you're getting good coverage because it's a, a contact herbicide being really on the ball with your water management. So making sure your weeds are exposed and also following up and timing your application around irrigations or rainfalls so that your weeds are really fresh. But I did really also like how she was pretty clear on targeting weeds when they're small. 
you know, saying that growers will be disappointed if they're applying it on weeds that are sort of already beginning to tiller or they're elongating or they're growing in stressed out conditions. But I think the big take home from it is, yeah, it's not a silver bullet. Like it is a robust chemical, but it needs to be used in conjunction with your foundation herbicides. And how she touched on the fact that in trial results, even if you're including two out of the three sort of through a mix chemicals, you're still getting going to get a much better result than if you'd use a gixa just on its own. Really good key points that you've touched on. I just want to add that it is really important, and Connie did stress this, for people to make sure you look at the label just in terms of that drift and risk management because a gixa is a group I chemical. There is quite a stigma around it relating to drift. So please download or check the label with your agronomist and your spray contractor or if you're doing it yourself or your work is doing it, make sure you've had that discussion and you are following those on-label recommendations because it's really important and we don't want any drift issues this year. And everyone listening in, thanks so much for joining us today. And all of the resources that we touched on today's episodes can be found in our show notes or on our website. We'd really love to hear from you. So please tag us on social media in Facebook or Twitter and use hashtag RASC21. Please rate, review and subscribe, which helps share our podcast with the wider industry. Until next time, have a RASC day.